It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. The show is made possible by folks like Patrick, JK, Brent, David, Kristen, Sarah, Trudy, Mary, and Gary. I appreciate the support. Uh, you too can support the program by heading on over to the Pete Callender Show, clicking on the link. Uh, Pete's Patrons, I believe, is uh, what I've got it called. Uh, it goes to the Patreon page, and uh, the Patreon page is where you can make a direct contribution to me to keep the show going, basically. It's the income stream uh, that supports the uh, the fees and stuff for keeping the show going. Um, and uh, also, you get the bumper stickers as well. And you get access to the video live streams that we do every week. You can catch the next one on Thursday, but you have to be a donor at the Patreon page. You can also go to the Facebook group. I'll be doing monthly Facebook live streams there just once a month. Those will be free. Um, and so uh, your choice. You've got a lot of options out there. Um, all the links, by the way, in the description of the podcast uh, that you're listening to or at thepetecalendarshow.com. Um, let's see here. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, last night we uh, we were under curfew here in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, we had a curfew set for eight o'clock, and the people who were uh, most uh, loudly complaining about the curfew were the ones who wanted to go out and vandalize even more stuff uh, in downtown Asheville. Uh, I drove through there yesterday morning, sometime around I don't know ten thirty or so. Uh, there were folks still out there with signs standing around there were people taking pictures and there was graffiti all over the place the uh the museum of uh the actual art museum was tagged i mean so was the vance monument of course uh which is you know named for zebulon vance which is like the buncombe county governor uh the only governor buncombe county's ever had but he was also a racist and a secessionist and so uh they always tag that uh, monument as well and um uh, the hotel because uh, they just, you know, did this big uh, hotel uh, facelift project and turned the old BB&T building, the tallest building in town, they turned it into a, uh, you know, mixed-use retail, residential condos, but also um, uh, hotel space, uh, hotel rooms. And so that got tagged as well because boo hotels and boo gentry, right? Boo, you rich people with your investments into our city. Die, rich people. Um. And uh, so, so they're all boarded up, all of the Lowe's and Home Depot's apparently out of plywood. I knew I should have bought futures in plywood, you know? I should have done that months ago, and I, yeah, I just, I've, I just never got around to it. You know, I never, and, and, well, I've never bought futures like that in anything, so I wouldn't even know where to begin. But if I had thought about it, I should have bought them, and I would be regretting uh, not buying them, but I actually didn't even think about buying futures in plywood. Could you buy futures in plywood? Probably timber, but not plywood. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you could buy futures and specifically in plywood. Um, but no, it looks good. It really returns downtown Asheville to the way it looked, you know, 30 years ago in the 80s and into the 90s that, you know, the bombed out downtown Baghdad look really I, that's gritty. It's what the hipsters love. We love it to look gritty. Yeah, it's going to look gritty. All right. For a very, very long time. And congratulations, you'll be the only ones that can live there. I mean, you'll have nothing, but you'll be the only ones that can live in the downtown area. 
It'll be fantastic. Do you think that, by the way, do you think that there's going to be larger societal repercussions for what we're seeing here when cities refuse to prevent this kind of rioting and looting and actions uh, for days and days and days, and it's repeated? And I know a lot of people want to blame Donald Trump uh, for all of this, but these things were happening before Trump got elected. You know, these were happening under Obama as well. Uh, Of course, people don't blame Obama for it. Well, conservatives did, but the media didn't. Uh, Nobody in the larger culture did. Uh, So uh, these protests are not new. They're going to continue, I suspect. Um, You know, when if, you know, annually there are like, what, nine or ten African-Americans killed by cops. Uh, So, you know, if history is sort of any indication, I guess we can expect this to be an annual occurrence because one of them will be an unjustified killing, I got to imagine. And when that happens, uh, the rioting and looting occurs. And then what do you think the societal ramifications of that are? What do you think occurs? Do you think people want to keep living in a downtown area? My wife and I lived in downtown Charlotte, and we were talking about this last night. We would not want to be in our old apartment because that, that was like, it's where everything is occurring. Folks are walking all around. And, um, you know, as you heard from the Speaker of the North Carolina House uh, yesterday, I believe, I played the audio from his uh, uh, press conference where he said, you know, if you've ever been in a high-rise building, you know, seeing people set fires outside on the sidewalk and around your building, it's not exactly the most comforting thing to see. You're in a high rise. You know, I mean, that's one of the, it's, you know, it's one of the things that people don't ever take into account because they're at the street level. It's all about perspective. You're at the street level and you're like, oh, I'm going to set these fires right here. Yay. And yeah, well, the people who are up in that building, they see that as a, as a threat to their lives because it's not just a fire down on the street. If it's close enough to the building, that's a threat to their lives, you know. All about perspective. Um, so they used the Asheville folks, the uh, Asheville Police Department, they used tear gas last night on the peaceful protesters who were violating curfew by over an hour. They dispersed immediately, uh, and uh, or almost immediately, and so that was it for them. Um, so, uh, so that's it. I don't know what the plans are for tonight. I imagine they'll be marching again tonight uh, because nobody's getting, it doesn't seem like many people are getting arrested. I think there were a couple last night, but not a lot. And so this goes to uh, this question of response. What do you do? Do you just break it up, send everybody home, and then hope that they stop protesting like that, hope that they stop breaking curfew? Or do you uh, start making lots and lots of arrests and have some sort of punishment for people that are in violation of the curfew? Um, that's a, it's a fair question. I mean, this is essentially at the heart of what Trump was saying to the governors on the phone call. Uh, I've got, by the way, I've got the audio. We'll take a listen to it here in a minute. First, uh, I want to tell you about Mattress Man, mattressmanstores.com, and they've got four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide, uh, and uh, you can go to their website, see all of the inventory that they have there at mattressmanstores.com. They've got all of the mattresses, okay? They've got Great quality, high-quality mattresses. The Biltmore collection from Restonic, made out of Fayetteville. Uh, these are the mattresses that the Biltmore has uh, in their hotels. And so if you want to sleep on those mattresses, you can either go to the Biltmore hotels or you can have one in your own room via Mattress Man. And if you are local, they have the free local white glove delivery, five-star delivery service. They also have the 120-day comfort guarantee. Uh, so if for some reason this is not the best mattress you've ever had and it's not, helping you improve your sleep, then um, you can have it swapped out for another mattress of your choice. The 120-day comfort guarantee at Mattress Man. So what you need to do is go take a look at your mattress. Check out the uh, the edges, all along the edges. 
are they sagging? Are they permanently dipping down someplace? Or is there like a big like crater someplace on the mattress that you kind of just roll into when you get into bed and you just kind of roll into that crater and you sit there all night, no matter how uncomfortable it might be? Not a good thing. Not a good thing for your physical health and your mental health because you need a good night's sleep to reset everything, mind and body. Go to mattressmanstores.com or to one of their locations, Asheville, Arden, Hendersonville. Uh, they do ship nationwide. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference at Mattressman, buy local, and sleep better. Alrighty, so uh, let's go through. All of this is going to tie together, by the way. You've got the protesting and you've got the RNC convention in uh, the Republican National Convention in 2020 uh, in Charlotte, where it looks like that's going away now because of Roy Cooper and Donald Trump, neither of whom apparently know how to negotiate very well. Um, if because apparently, like I mean, that that's my assessment. I know the Trump supporters are going to say uh, Donald Trump's a great negotiator, um, and I know that the Roy Cooper lovers are going to say Roy Cooper knows how to negotiate. He can compromise. No, neither one of these men actually, I don't think, have a very long history of this. They both make demands, um, and um, you know, I don't know. Then they. Like Trump, I think there is probably more evidence that he will then just go along with whatever it is that if it, if he can frame it as a win, he'll take it. But um, what what he offered on the RNC side is uh, or, or this issue was a, a demand. He wants to have a lot of people in the arena and Roy Cooper refuses to let him do that. And they both think they have a strong position. And I will tell you who makes out like a bandit on all of this. OK, uh, it's the Charlotte Democratic leaders, Charlotte Democrats. They just got a uh, get out of jail free card. They just got bailed out to uh, to an epic level because the Charlotte Democratic leaders are always caught in this uh, in this spot between the moon bat left wing base that they need. Right. And the Chamber of Commerce. The old joke down in Charlotte is that there are three parties, the Democrats, the Republicans and the Chamber. And the Chamber was always the strongest. Now, I'm not sure if that's true anymore. The Republicans have kind of faded away. You know, there's really, I mean, there are like no elected officials out of Charlotte anymore. So now that just leaves the chamber and the Democrats and the chamber would always play both sides. And uh, they kept, uh, you know, they would use the Democrats. They would use the Republicans, whoever they needed to use in order to get what they wanted. Usually it was, you know, new projects and buildings and whatnot. Um, and so, uh, uh, and it, sorry, investments, investments in the community that are now all being vandalized and looted and such. Um, so that's the chamber's role down there. And um, the Democrats have always sort of been in this tough spot of having to, you know, not hack off the chamber, but not hack off the Moonbat base. And the Moonbat base really doesn't like business folks for a lot. I mean, a lot of them are anarchists, they're socialists, they're communists, whatever. Like, they don't want... Uh, any chamber of commerce. They don't like the business community. They don't like free market capitalism. So the Democrats were always sort of in this tough spot of balancing these two uh, constituencies, these two pressure groups. Uh, and when they had to go and bid on the DNC, because frankly, they had to, the chamber was like, you need to do this DNC, or sorry, the RNC, you need to bid on the RNC. Because when the Democrats wanted their convention in Charlotte back in 2012, I think it was, um, yeah, 2012, um, Republicans helped them do it. Republicans at the local level, at the county level, at the state level, Republicans helped Democrats get the 2012 convention uh, and 
there was this uh, sort of agreement or this acknowledgement that uh, we want to have uh, the RNC come as well. And uh, folks down there, Republicans down there, have been working for years, like a decade to get, more than a decade, to get a convention into Charlotte. Um, And so when the Republicans came around and said, hey, remember how we did you that solid a couple years ago, because it's not that long ago, right, six years, seven years ago, we helped you get the Democratic convention, we want to get the Republican convention, and we got a pretty good shot at getting it, can you help us get it? And the Democrats are like, ah, but it's Trump. We hate Trump. Do you not realize how our base hates Trump? Right? So these Democrats were put in a position that they had to kind of help the Republicans get this convention. And they did. There were a lot of them that did. Now, there were a lot of them that that refused. There were there were several Democratic local officials that refused to help. They did not want any part of this. Okay. So as Trump continues being Trump, and now we have all of these uh, riots going on and everything, and you got the COVID stuff, this was an easy out for them. And Roy Cooper, he can take the heat at the state level because there's, you know, there's no state chamber that's going to that's going to ding him for it. Right. I mean, because the Democrats are not going to turn and vote for Dan Forrest over the loss of the Republican convention in Charlotte. Right. Democrats outside of Charlotte. Now, there may be some Democrats who are more chamber than Democrat. And so they may vote against Roy for this. I doubt it. But. What it does is it allows Roy to take the heat, the local Democratic leadership in Charlotte not to, and they can now go to their uh, base and say, yeah, look at that. It's not coming. So yay us. And uh, oh, sorry, Chamber. You know, we, you know, we didn't do it. It was Roy Cooper. Not to- totally not our fault. Right. That's who that, that's who really makes out in this scenario. Alrighty, so let's backtrack a little bit. Monday is when this phone call occurred between President Trump and governors uh, from uh, around the country. And uh, the New York Times got the audio. I have it from their site. And um, according to the Times, Trump angrily denounced the demonstrators who have used violence to call attention to the deaths of black men killed by the police as organizers of terrorism and threatened to send the American military to states where governors could not bring the protests under control. That's how the New York Times framed it. Here is the call you judge for yourself. you got to arrest these people. you got to arrest these people, and you got to charge them. And you can't do the deal with them get what we can get. These are terrorists. These are terrorists. They're looking to do bad things to our country. It shouldn't be hard to take care of, and we're going to take care of it. And we've... Uh, Got a number of people here that you'll be seeing a lot of General Milius here. Head of George Jesus Sam, a fighter, a warrior, and a lot of victories and no losses. And he hates to see the way it's being handled in the various states, and I just put him in charge. The Attorney General is here, right here, Bill Barr. And we will activate Bill Barr and activate him very strongly. And we're strongly as Secretary of Defense is here, we're strongly looking for arrests. You have to get much tougher. You're going to get overridden. Uh, I know Governor Walz is on the phone and, and we spoke. And uh, I fully agree with the way he handled it the last couple of days. I asked him to do that. Get a lot of men. We have all the men and women that you need. If people aren't calling them up, you have to dominate. If you don't dominate, you're wasting your time. They're going to run over you. You're going to look like a bunch of jerks. You have to dominate. And you have to arrest people, and you have to 
tried people and they have to go to jail for long periods of time. I saw what happened in Philadelphia. I saw what happened in Dallas where they kicked the guy to death. I don't know if he died or not, but if he did, it's a, it's a miracle what they did to him. They were kicking him like I've never seen anything like it in my life. People don't talk about that. They don't talk about that. They're talking about uh, a lot of other things, but they don't talk about that. But I saw what happened in Dallas. And those kids are all in camera, the wise guys. And it's coming from the radical left. You know it, everybody knows it, but it's also looters. And it's people that figure they can get free stuff by running into stores and running out with television sets. I saw it. The kid has a lot of stuff. He puts it in the back of a brand new car and drives off. You have every one of these guys running on the tank. Why, why aren't you prosecuting them? Now, the harder you are, the tougher you are, the less likely it is that you're going to be hit. This is a movement. We found out they're delivering supplies to various places in various states. Your people know about it now. But we found out many things is like a movement. And it's a movement that if you don't put it down, it'll get worse and worse. This is like Occupy Wall Street. It was a disaster. Until one day somebody said, that's enough. And they just went in and wiped them out. That's the last time I heard the name Occupied Wall Street. Until today, when I heard about it, I heard Occupied Wall Street. I haven't heard about it. I heard about it today. For the first time in a long time. They were there for forever, it seems, on Wall Street. They closed up Wall Street, the financial district of the world. And they had total domination. They were ordering pieces that were, nobody did anything. And then one day, somebody... You have to put them in jail for 10 years and you'll never see this stuff again. 
And you have to let them know that. Uh, they're trying to get people out on bail in, uh, in uh, Minneapolis. I understand they're in there trying to get all these guys out on bail. So you have them on tape, you have them on television. In history, there's never been anybody taped so much committing a crime. You have these guys throwing rocks, yet you can see a big they show them. They showed it last night on one of the stations or one of the networks throwing a big brick. But they had them in slow motion, slow motion replay. They put them like it's like a fielder catching a ball or throwing a ball. They have them in slow motion replay. You see exactly who he is. Everybody knows you. Find out exactly. You have everybody's done that. You better arrest all those people. And you got to try them. And if they get five years or ten years, they have to get five years or ten years. There's no retribution. So I say that, and the weather's dominate. If you don't dominate your city and your state, uh, they're going to walk away with you. And we're doing it in Washington and D.C. We're going to do something that uh, people haven't seen before. But uh, you're going to have total domination. And then you have to put them in jail, and you have to authorize whatever it is, whoever it is you authorize. And with that, I'll let Bill Barr say a few words that are going to have General Billy speak. All righty. So now you have heard the phone call. Uh, this is, I think, this sort of set in motion a lot of the reaction that led to the RNC's decision uh, and Cooper's decision. But we're going to get there. So uh, Trump basically says, right, that the states have failed to take care of their citizens. He's blaming the governor, saying that they're looking like jerks. They're looking weak, looking like losers. Right. <laughs> so uh, his remedy is, according to The New York Times, a federal law that gives the president broad powers to federalize states. Uh, and their national or the state's national guard troops, or to send in the military to restore order in a situation when rioting has left local authorities unable to enforce the law. It's not always necessary for a governor to request that the federal government send in troops for domestic law enforcement purposes, according to legal specialists not cited or quoted by the New York Times for this, but some laws ultimately leave it up to the president to determine when such an intervention is necessary. Mr. Trump told the army on Monday to deploy active duty military police to Washington, according to a military official. But the deployment may not be limited to those units. Washington is the one jurisdiction in the country where the army can do so without first consulting the governor of a state. The deployment of the military police, a battalion of some 200 to 500 troops from Fort Bragg, is a sharp escalation in the response to the riots and protests until uh, now mounted or up until now mounted by the Secret Service and local police. Those have been the ones who have been engaged in trying to put down the Washington unrest. Um, and I like this uh, line quote: "One military official likened the deployment to Mr. Trump requesting his own palace guard <laughs> in order to protect him from protesters." The military official is, of course, not named. And there's like, I'm trying to figure out why would you put that line in there as a reporter? You've got one guy with an opinion. One military official thinks this. Who freaking cares? Really? Like, honestly, and is that accurate? He's bringing in military police to put down a riot. And you're saying, I think he's doing is like the palace guard. He wants it to protect himself. Uh, it seems like he's doing it to protect a lot more than just himself, right? But that line makes it into the New York Times because journalisming. His aggressive language was a breaking point for at least one moderate Republican who has largely avoided conflict with Trump. That would be Governor Charlie Baker of Massachusetts. Quote, 
I know I should be surprised when I hear incendiary words like this from him, but I'm not, Baker told reporters in Boston. Um, He says that so many times during these several past weeks, uh, when the country needed compassion and leadership the most, it was simply nowhere to be found. Uh, Mr. Baker said, his voice breaking. Instead, we got bitterness, combativeness, and self-interest. You got Trump. That's what Trump is. It's what he has always been. I don't understand why people think that this guy is somehow going to be a different person now than he has been for the decades he has been in the public eye. I don't understand this. And if you think that Donald Trump somehow or another could have quelled the violence by giving a speech, give me a break. First off, he already gave a speech. But secondly, the people who hate Trump don't care what he has to say. It doesn't matter what he says. They're going to do what they do. He's just an excuse at this point. He could not say a thing except, I resign. That would be the only thing he would do or could say, rather, that, uh, that that might have an impact on stopping the riots. And for the left, that's what they want. And so he's not going to do that. Of course he wouldn't. And he shouldn't. The exchanges and his remarks later in the day illustrated the depth of Mr. Trump's anger over the at-times violent protests. You know who else is angry? Half of the country is really, really pissed off right now. Really mad really mad at what's been going on, and what we see is the lack of action from these Democrat leaders in Democrat cities against Democrat riots. That's what's occurring. And the more this uh, this occurs and the longer it goes, the worse it's going to get. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice on how to be prepared for one? Are you looking for military surplus? That's real. Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He's going to hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time. It's American-made because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, Old Grouch is on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. Also, this show is made possible by Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. Her phone number is 333-4483. Her website is mountainhomehunt.com. I have had good realtors. I've had experience with not-so-good ones. Rowena and her team, they're good ones. They're great ones, actually. They outsell 99% of the real estate agents in the entire state. Okay, call the only agent that I would call if I'm looking for a house or if I'm looking to sell my house. Call Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. And finally, the show is also made possible by Schaefer Smith. Have you seen the logo of the Pete Callender Show? He did that. If you're trying to set up your website, maybe you need a logo, call my friend Schaefer Smith at Schaefer Smith Design. He can help you with logos, graphics, photos, an online store, search engine optimization, website maintenance, and security. He does this for professional services, corporations, small businesses, entrepreneurs. If you know now the importance of having a good functional website, Get in touch with Schaefer Smith. Make your site look professional, user-friendly for both your customers and you so you can uh, navigate it and fix it and adapt to whatever the market demands. SchaeferSmith.com. That's SchaeferSmith.com. So after the phone call, uh, just as a real quick point here, uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, uh, took some time out from killing old people and uh, 
He told CNN, I don't know if this was an interview with his brother where they joked about, you know, who mom loved best and all of that. But um, Andrew Cuomo, uh, he declined the president's call for more troops and he called the president's remarks shameful, really shameful. Uh, And I'm not sure. I mean, he says really shameful, but I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, that's not really, I don't know. Uh, instructive. I, I'm trying to figure out like how shameful is it? He says it's really, really shameful. So how about this? How about on a scale of like um, not cleaning subways until two months after a viral pandemic, like that shameful, or on that scale, like from that end to putting sick patients into nursing homes to infect more elderly people is like or that level of shame. Like on what? Uh, like if that's the scale, how shameful was the president's rhetoric? Okay, and so next up. We have the phone call. We ask, uh, the media asks Roy Cooper, governor of North Carolina, were you on the call? He says he was, and his spokesman, Dory McMillan, who, I, that's a name I've not seen before, so this is now, I guess, number 17,643 uh, comms people that he has on staff. Uh, she defended Cooper's response to the riots, saying, quote, Governor Cooper has spoken with mayors across North Carolina and fulfilled requests for state support, including help, from the State Highway Patrol, SBI, ALE, and National Guard. While we must ensure the important call for change isn't lost amidst escalating tensions, violence and destruction are unacceptable and must stop. Okay, so there's a there's a strongly worded statement, right, from the governor's press team. The governor was then asked about his response or what he thought of the president's comments at the press briefing that was held on Tuesday. I will say that... Um in that Bible that he was holding in front of the church is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. And in that sermon, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. I think it takes leaders of strength to be peacemakers. And right now, we need leaders of strength who can hear everybody and who can be peacemakers in this state and in this country because our state and our country need healing. We have a lot going on and a lot of frustration and we need strength moving us forward trying to bring us together. Right. Now, make no mistake about it, Governor Cooper believes himself to be one of the peacemakers. He believes he is equipped to do the thing that he said needs to be done. By the way, uh, all of his opponents are racists and sexists and transphobes and homophobes. They hate the poor, the elderly, the children, the education system, the teachers who work in it, all workers, actually, and women. Blessed be the peacemakers like Governor Cooper who is not any of those things, uh, but implies or outright states those are uh, his opponents. See, be a peacemaker like Cooper. See, to the Democrats, in order to achieve this peacemaking level, all you need to be is a Democrat. That's it. See, it's very simple. If you just, look, just pick up the big D shield, march with us, and you get to do all the things you want to do, and you don't get called all of the names. Isn't it beautiful? You get the protection of the Democratic shield, the Big D shield, uh, and, uh, you know, you get to have a successful career. Uh, If you're really uh, particularly adept at 
being a cog in the party machine, you too can work your way up to governor at some point. I mean, just look at the plan of succession they've got going. Josh Stein's going to be the next one, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, that those are the benefits that you get by being a Democrat in North Carolina. And nationally, really. Seriously, like th- those are the benefits you get. You get that kind of cover. It must be really nice to be a Democrat, I swear. So then uh, this now, so th- uh, lining all of this up, because the chain of events that occurred, you had the governor or the yeah the governor's call with the president. The the president then uh, goes out. He does the the walk over to the church that was set on fire, holds up the Bible. Uh, and now you've got this response from Democrats and governors like, how dare he hold the Bible up? I can't believe it. You know, they, they were not a fan. They they thought, oh, my God, there's the president with this photo op. And, uh, n- you know, no such condemnation for Cooper doing his photo op where he walked around the crowd. He walked like half a block around the governor's mansion just with security all packed around him and his mask down under his chin, waving at people. Hey, hey, and this and that. And then, uh, you know, of course, not answering questions, because why should like the marchers get questions answered when like reporters can't even get questions answered? So he then marches around halfway around with some of the marchers. But Travis Fain from WRAL is quick to point out that he wouldn't really consider that to be a march, even though he was walking with the marchers while they were marching. Uh, That's not a march. He wasn't really marching with them. He was just walking while they were marching next to him. Uh, And so obviously not marching, right? So please don't call it marching. Travis is very specific on his words. He needs everybody to make sure that uh, the words marching are not used when uh, you're talking about Governor Cooper's stroll around the block with the marching marchers. Okay, so then Mandy Cohen gets up at this press conference, their daily COVID-19 related press conference, where they've been telling us that all the mass gatherings are going to lead to lots of people dying from covid and she gets up there and says the numbers are start are uh, uh, are still increasing in some cases here. This next graph shows our laboratory confirmed tests. Mm-hmm. I draw your attention again to that yellow line, the seven day rolling average. And as you can see, our day over day new cases yeah. are increasing. Uh-oh. And notably, we've seen in the past week this increase has even accelerated oh, slightly. My. It's in the last 10 days, we have had three days with over 1,000 new cases reported on those days. I would have liked to see this trend starting to level, but unfortunately, it continues to increase. Oh, so the it's going up. It's 1,000 new cases a day. Lab confirmed case. That's not good, right? She said she wanted to see it level. It's not leveling. It's actually spiking now. Hmm. So this is obviously reason for concern. We obviously cannot have the Republican National Convention in August when we're seeing this kind of spike right now, right? Obviously, no mention of the thousands of people clogging the streets all over the state, hacking on each other, screaming and chanting and singing all of this. No mention of that. Here now is Governor Cooper uh, reminding everybody that the virus is all around and it spreads as we do more stuff. We know this virus has been a blow to our economy, too. And as we work to get our businesses growing again, we're still recruiting more good-paying jobs for North Carolina. (laughs) Just in the past two weeks, we've announced over 1,000 new jobs in both urban and rural communities across our state. See, so he does care about the economy, everybody. He is trying to get some jobs. They just made some announcements about some jobs that are coming here. He doesn't tell us which jobs, but he just, there are some jobs. We got some jobs coming. Gotta love the jobs. Jobs are good. Love the economy. It's fantastic. It's not just about 
COVID-19, and he's not just trying to shut it all down. He's actually bringing jobs, um, and so we should thank him for that. Oh, by the way, the hundred-something million dollars of investment that the RNC was going to bring to us in August, yeah, that's not coming. But, but hey, he, he's bringing jobs. And we'll continue to bring and keep good jobs here in North Carolina, even as we battle this virus and protect the health of North Carolinians. It's all about health. Now, as the weather warms, mm-hmm. and more, people, more people are getting out. <laughs> uh, they are running, reopening, or in some cases, repairing their businesses. Oh, the alliteration. You know some scriptwriter was just like so psyched at that line. You know, they're getting, you know, we're all getting out. We're running. We're reopening. We're repairing businesses from the riots. Why didn't you finish the alliteration off with that R? They are out demonstrating and making their voices heard. Oh, demonstrating, not rioting. They're out working in their everyday jobs, <laughs> feeding us, caring for us, delivering goods and mail, protecting us, rescuing us. Rescue, there's another argument. And they're getting out of the house more and mm. just trying to have some fun. <laughs> As we do all these things. When they're not. North Carolina. When they're not under curfew. When they're not under curfew. That's it. That, I mean, at remember least. Remember that this virus is still circulating. Right. And it is still deadly. Mm-hmm. People are able to do more, and that's good. But it must be done safely. And following the three W's, as Dr. Cohen says, wear a face covering, mm-hmm. wash your hands, wait six feet apart from other people. By the way, just not for nothing, there's another W. There's a fourth W that they should be promoting, which is windows. Open your windows. Open windows and create a draft through your house to blow micro droplets out of your premises. Air circulation. Air circulation helps in dispersing the airborne virus. Wonder why they're not talking about the science on that. As difficult as it is, we must not let complacency Mm -mm. or frustration or any of these activities that we're engaged in break down our defenses against this virus. We can keep this up if we stay focused. And we keep taking care of each other. Right. Yeah. Just so when you're out there yelling and screaming and coughing at the tear gas and hacking a lung up because of the smoke grenades and all of that, just uh, the pepper spray, it's making you sneeze and cough and eyes water and all that bodily fluid just getting expelled into the air. Just please keep in mind, this is a highly deadly virus that's going to kill, you know, tens of thousands of people in the state. I am curious what happens. Like, we're going to find out, aren't we? We are going to find out whether the science and data and facts was all BS pretty soon. We're going to find out because all of these folks who are out there protesting and marching all together and sharing all of the droplets, the micro droplets of lung juice and such, we're going to find out if there's community spread. And we're going to know whether all of this has been for basically security theater health security theater right all of the lockdowns and stuff um we're gonna find out whether or not they made these right calls, or that these were the right calls they made or not and this has been the most frustrating part of it for me in watching the pro not the most but one of the most frustrating parts is that we were told demonstrating equals death 
That was your standard, Governor. You all said you called it reckless, you called it dangerous, you chastised and scolded people for going out and demonstrating against your lockdown orders and people who were like, I need to feed my family, so I'm going to open my business up. And you scolded them. You basically said, and all of the folks on the left were saying that uh, you're going to kill grandma. You're going to kill all these people if you do these mass gatherings. But now that there is an acceptable reason for the gatherings, now it's okay. So what, you're saying then that all of these people marching, in large part, right, vulnerable populations, that they are marching and they're engaging in the very behavior you called reckless and dangerous, but now it's not? You don't have those words for them. Oh, well, that's different. Is it different? Is the virus going to kill everybody or not? Are they engaging in some dangerous, reckless activity that's going to spread the virus to all sorts of people? Are they going to be to blame for any of this? Right. If there is a massive outbreak now all over the country in all of these cities, are you going to blame them for it? Like you would like like you were trying to blame the reopen and see people like you were saying, George is going to, you know, run this experiment in mass death. They're going to kill off all of their old people because they opened their state up too early. Right. By the way, they're not all dead down there, by the way. Yeah, have you noticed that Florida neither? It's weird. Very weird. It's science and data. In fact, so am I. He said um, it's not time to enter into phase three, right? He said it's not time to enter into phase three in response to a question about whether uh, he would sign the legislation that reopens bars. That's based on the science and data and facts as well, right? Can't open the bars up. Can't have bars outside on streets where people are dining outside six feet apart from each other, drinking beer. Can't have that outside, but you can have thousands of people marching all around the place and um, and protesting uh, and have these mass gatherings all packed in together. That That's okay, but you cannot have people sit outside uh, on a patio and drink beer. That would be the science and data and facts tell us that would be dangerous. That means you want people to die. He was, he was then asked about the riots. Does he, does he think that the city of Raleigh handled riot control very well? These are difficult decisions mm -hmm. that local officials are trying to make right now. It's important that people have the opportunity to protest and to say what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of pain in communities right now. Mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, I know our local officials do not want these protests to get violent. And many of the organizers of these protests very much want these protests to stay peaceful mm -hmm. and that's important mm -hmm. we have stepped up to provide assistance mm -hmm. to communities all across north carolina that they need the support they need and that has come in the form of the state highway patrol yeah. uh, alcohol law enforcement the state bureau of investigation the national guard which does all kinds of of things for our communities and in fact we have a number of them activated during this pandemic. And those uh, resources have been provided upon request. And as we go into the week ahead, those sources will continue to be provided. All right. So he did answer the question. He was asked, do you think Raleigh did a, a, a good job? Do you think they handled this well? He did not answer that question. Okay. Uh, and look, that's a loser question for him to answer. If he says yes, 
then people just point to all of the damage and destruction, right? If he says no, then people are going to say, even the governor thought you did a bad job. So he And, and those are fellow Democrats, so he's not going to hang them out to dry. Uh, so should the Republican National Convention, he's asked, uh, should they start looking for another site? Because now we hear about this uh, this back and forth that's going on, right? Trump makes the call to the governors. They're all on this phone. He says, you need to crack down on this stuff. Uh, Cooper's like, uh, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, you've got this RNC uh, wanting to be in August. And Cooper's like, science and data and facts. We can't do it safely. And we're like, what are you talking about doing it safely? You're allowing thousands of people to march in your streets. Like, well, this is different. You're Republicans. And the virus knows. COVID knows if you are marching for justice or if you just want to reopen your business. COVID knows if you are marching for justice or if you just want to renominate your incumbent president. See, the virus knows these things. It's a social justice virus, really. It understands you know, the uh, the value of the reason for the mass gathering. And if your mass gathering is virtuous, then it will spare you and it will not spread amongst you. If uh, if it does not deem your mass gathering to be of a virtuous purpose, then uh, the COVID virus shall smite ye down. COVID knows. It really is becoming kind of like a religion, don't you think? So should the RNC look for other sites, he's asked. Well, first, uh, the city of Charlotte and the state of North Carolina offered to have the RNC in Charlotte, and I was a supporter of that. When this pandemic hit, we began having discussions with the RNC about a scaled-down convention, particularly when we did not know what, where the situation with the virus was going to be in, in August. What, from my conversations with the president and with the RNC over the last week, uh, the discussions about a scaled-down convention have stopped, and now they have demanded a full 19,000-person crowd at the inside arena in, in Charlotte. We've continued to say we want to talk with you about a scaled-down convention, but we cannot guarantee you that at the end of August you can have a full arena. I hope they will continue to talk with us about a scaled-down convention. We're, we're ready to discuss that, and we're still waiting for answers to our health questions about how they would take steps to protect people, about social distancing and face masks, and we have not heard a response from that. So we, we cannot guarantee them that in August they can have a full arena, but we want to continue discussions about a scaled-down convention right. in charlotte okay so that's the language right that's the that's the template they're using we cannot guarantee a full arena uh at the end of august but we want to continue discussions about a scaled down convention but as the press conference goes on you're going to hear that this language gets a little looser here is joe bruno from wsoc who followed up since you're not able to provide that guarantee are you okay with the president and the rnc taking the convention to somewhere that will I'm concerned about anywhere in our country where you would have that many people in one place. <laughs> As I mentioned to the president in my conversation with minute. him Friday night. He's concerned about anywhere hosting that many people in one place. You mean like out on the streets all over the cities in North Carolina and all around the country like that? Are you concerned about that? He expresses no concern about that. Is it only because it's inside? 
just because it's inside a big arena, is that the deal? What if you got big fans going, blowers going, oh, that's right, there's no fourth W. So maybe he's unaware of the value of air circulation in a, in a confined space to blow the micro droplets out of the area. I don't know. I commended him for not holding those crowded ra- rallies that he likes to hold. He's, he's not held them since March. And that's a positive thing. And the reason for that is the concern of the health and safety of people who might come to these kinds of rallies. So I, you know, I would hope that they would talk to Charlotte about a scaled-down convention. I think that's the prudent thing to do. That's the thing that protects the health and safety of, of North Carolinians. And anywhere they would go, you really don't know exactly where COVID-19 is going to be in that particular place at the end of August. Well, no, hang on a second. We do know that COVID-19 is not going to be at any Black Lives Matter protests or at any of the uh, the riots that follow the peaceful protests. We do know that. So it's prudent, just like any of these other organizations that are talking to us about holding events or opening things months down the road, that you have to have a plan in place that is scaled down and that provides for protections for the health and safety of people. And I would hope still that that's something they would do. Right. So you start, are you hearing it? It's starting to shift. At first it was, we can't guarantee it. And we would like to hear your plans for a scaled down discussion or discussions about a plan or scaled down convention. Uh, we, we want to have those discussions. But what's becoming very clear here is it's not just simply having a discussion. This is what they're telling the RNC. You're going to have a scaled-down convention. That's what they're telling them. Well, we would think that if we could come up with a plan for a scaled-down convention, that it would be much more likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think it is unlikely that we would be to the point at the end of August to be able to have a jam-packed 19,000-person convention in the Spectrum arena. So the likelihood of it being in Charlotte depends upon the RNC's willingness to discuss with us a scaled-down convention, there which you go. we would like to do. There you go. The The likelihood of a, of a convention is directly related to their willingness to have a scaled-down convention. That's it. He's drawing the line in the sand. Scaled-down convention is what they are demanding. So then Andrea Blanford from ABC 11 says, well, what's the number of attendees that you would be more willing to allow? Is there something you guys have in mind? Um, We don't have a specific number. It would depend upon their plan. Oh, for crying out loud. You're telling them scale down the, the, uh, the convention, and you don't even know what size you want it. So you're like, well, you know, give me a number. No, I don't like that number. Give me another number. All right, give me another number. No, not that one. Give me another number. How about another number? Tell me another number. I don't like that one either. You see the problem here? He's. It is very clear he's not negotiating in good faith. To me, at least. It's very clear he's not negotiating in good faith. And by the way, this is how Governor Cooper operates. It always has been. With the HB2 legislation, remember the, the bathroom bill? 2016, campaign for governor... He's trying to beat Pat McCrory, which he eventually does by like 0.1% of the vote, 10,000 votes uh, in the entire state cast. Like I think there was like 5 million votes cast or something, and um, or more than that, I should say. But anyway, it doesn't matter. He, he, he ekes out this victory in 2016, but during that campaign season, 
the Republicans were trying to, quote, fix HB2, and they had they had gotten some support from some Democrats in the legislature to make some changes to HB2, the bathroom bill. And Cooper reportedly not only had he gone out to solicit boycotts against his own state to harm the economy of his own state as attorney general, right? He recruited these business leaders, the Salesforce CEO, uh, got that guy to uh to you know whip up uh the the business community to start boycotting the state they started you know pulling projects and we're doing this because you know we hate uh transphobia you guys hate transgender people you hate people um you know which is the standard attack the democrats have lobbed against republicans my entire life you know the peacemakers that they are this is what they accuse republicans of being conservatives of being it's it's how you make peace with people as you call them all sorts of horrible slurs but anyway um during the HB2 debate he reportedly told democrats that if you work with the republicans on a fix for this HB2 uh you'll have no role in my administration right he threatened them with being ostracized from the from the power structure and that tanked the deal. Why did that happen? Because he wanted the issue for the election. They were going to ride the HB2 outrage all the way to the governor's mansion. And if the Democrats worked with Republicans to fix it, I mean, yes, it may have actually, you know, helped make peace in the state, but it might have undermined his ability to win. So he said, don't do it. Sacrifice the peace of the state. Sacrifice the good legislation for me, for my political ambition. And they did, by the way. They did. They uh, they pulled up and they said, we're not going to do anything on HB2. It remained an issue. And Cooper won. And then after he won, lo and behold, he was able to figure out a way to make something work on the HB2 front. To, quote, fix it. Only after he won. That's how he operates. The NBA All-Star, right? Uh, All-Star game. That left Charlotte because of the HB2 boycotts that he helped to rally. That's how this guy operates. So if you don't think that's what's going on right now, you're not paying attention. Thank you for paying attention to this entire podcast. I know you've been listening to the whole thing. I do appreciate it. But that's a wrap for this episode. Remember, please subscribe to the podcast. It is completely free. And think about becoming a patron of the program. You get cool stuff, exclusive content. Links are all at thepetecalendarshow.com as well as in the description of the podcast. Thanks so much for the support. We'll talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.